This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. We are not experts in any of the subjects we discuss. Please enjoy accordingly. And as always, this episode contains spoilers. I'm Sunny. And I'm Scooter. So, before we sort of get into what this episode's about, I am in some romance novel social media groups. And every now and then they post these things. They're like little infographics. Um, but they're like the, they're almost like the modern equivalent to, you remember the MASH game from uh, elementary school? Where you predict your future? Yeah. Okay. So it's a fill in the blank thing, but you start, you're, what you fill in the blank with is like your favorite color. And then that corresponds to something. Uh, and then like the last digit of your phone number and your birth month. Okay. So I want to do this one with you. All right. All right. So this is your book boyfriend scooter. It's very important. What's your favorite color? Green. Okay. He's a billionaire who, and what's the last digit of your phone number? Are you trying to dox me? (laughs) Just the last digit, you weirdo. One. He's a billionaire who gives you hand necklaces. Gives me what? Necklaces? You not heard that term yet? Is that where he chokes you and leaves a handprint? Yeah, he leaves, like, bruises on your neck. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if you have to leave the bruises, because just choking you with the hand around the neck is a necklace. Okay. And your birth month, I happen to know it. You don't have to say it, you know, out of fear of doxing, I suppose. Uh, so, he's a billionaire who gives you hand necklaces, uh, and... He's into primal play. He's into what? Primal play is sort of like uh, kind of roughly taking someone, maybe chasing them down and tackling them. So so like a primal sub is kind of probably going to be into running and being chased and taken down, sort of being hunted. I feel like my book boyfriend, you're just describing the antagonist from the most dangerous game. <laughs> maybe. Mine's a mafia don who is obsessed with me and is into somnophilia. Oh, what's somnophilia? Fucking you while you're asleep. It's nice to know that I'll be um, hunted through a jungle by the second love of my life. <laughs> a billionaire who wants to choke you out? Yeah. Probably have to get a step stool first. For him to choke me? I don't know if I'm so tall that you need a step stool to come get me. I mean, I would. It's not like the billionaire hunter is like... A tattoo from fantasy island no but you know i'm a perfectly average height woman and i probably couldn't choke you out (laughs) if i was voluntarily being choked by you i think you could or if we were in bed i am scrappy you are scrappy (laughs) what was it you said all fight no flight all fight no flight that's correct okay So what we're doing with this episode, we did not announce this episode in the last podcast episode. We actually, if we can go, if we can flash our metaphorical penises at you. Excuse me? If we could reveal our podcast business to you. um, (laughs) Why is that penis? I feel like there's there not really a lot of... There are plenty of private things that aren't dicks, Scooter. <laughs> I feel like there aren't really a lot of lazy, lady flashers. It's a... Well, they give us beads when we do Public it. sexual harassment is kind of a man's game, Sonny. My point is... patriarchy. Um, we announced this change to schedule in the next episode. We're actually recording this after we recorded our fourth wing episode. And in that, we announced that starting in August, we would be switching to three episodes a month. But we have been having so much fun doing our little podcast that we decided... Uh, We're just going to go ahead and start that this month. And, you know, that gives us uh, two uh, bonuses to that, which is, uh, one, we get to record an extra episode. Three bonus session. We get to record an extra episode. We're going to release our second episode five days earlier than we were planning to. And um, I think it's appropriate that the show we're talking about today is the first show that we do. So the show we talk about today is one of our favorites. It's sort of an enduring favorite. It's definitely, I think you made a great observation in the car when we decided we were going to do this. I make a lot of great observations in the car. Do you? Yeah, I'm not really focused on driving. Yeah. Every day we take our lives into our hands. Anyways, 
So you made a pretty good observation in the car that this is probably the TV show we introduce the most people to. If we go to someone's house and there's anyone in the room who hasn't seen it, we immediately like end up watching an episode or two. We did this most recently at it game is. night uh, with one of my with two of my colleagues. <laughs> yes. So I want to talk more about this. Do we need to? We yes. Want to say go the ahead. Of the show. I guess it, it will be the title of the episode. So I guess you'll know. It's the show is Taskmaster. It's a UK based uh, game show. Isn't the right word? Reality it show is isn't a game the right show, word. but it's it's different. It's not. It's you know. There's not really a word for it. It's like. You know, it's a season-long contest, but so not particularly let's serious. Let's explain it's what very the, silly. the actual contest is and kind of give an overview of what the show is rather than... Because I think we're talking about it in somewhat nebulous terms. So the format of Taskmaster, there is the Taskmaster, Greg Davies, his assistant, Alex Horn, who Alex Horn is actually the creator of the show. And the Taskmaster judges five comedians. Uh, sometimes they're actors or comedy adjacent. And every episode, they have a series of tasks in which they're awarded one to five points, the best one getting five points, worst one getting one. It always starts with a prize task, which they'll present a theme, like it'll be best flat thing. And everyone will bring in a flat thing, best one gets five points, worst one gets one. And then they'll have a series of tasks that were filmed at this little house they have called the Taskmaster House. And then same thing, they'll award them points, and then they'll end with a live task where they'll go up on stage and do something live, and it's pretty zany. And then there will be a full season with the same contestants throughout the whole thing. And at the end of the at the end of the season, whoever has the most points accumulated over the season wins like a little styrofoam bust of Greg Davis's head that's been painted gold. It's I mean, that's really you know that's the gist of it, but it's there's so much more to it than that. But I think the beauty of the show is, and we were talking about this a little bit on the way home, um, that the real joy of it is the weird ways in which contestants meet challenges, and there is a con a kind of um, like a puckishness to the tasks. They're intended to confuse and yeah. to just be a little weird and to have very obvious answers that contestants don't often follow and they just make it more complicated. Yes. Yeah. So there, I, there's, I think, probably a whole team of people who come up with the tasks, but they are sort of the brainchild of Alex Horn and his role on the show and his persona, I, I guess, that sort of is poured into all of the tasks is to be a frustrating mm -hmm. little imp and all of the all of the tasks are generally silly and then many of them if they're simple are worded in a way to make them sound less simple they leave room for lots of loopholes but they will also try to close off obvious loopholes it's we're, you know it's hard to really describe the show generally we I, we should get closer into specifics but one thing i i wanted to say you're talking about how this is the show that we probably introduce the most people to it's, i think the biggest you know selling point for taskmaster is it's for everybody like i can't think of someone who it's wouldn't enjoy deeply, it deeply deeply entertaining um I think uh, it's a good litmus test. If someone doesn't like it, I probably don't want to be friends with that person. Yes, I, too much as I, you know, try to respect, you know, people having their own opinions and teach their own. It's, it's, I just, I don't know how you would not enjoy the thing. It's, it's silly. It's zany, but it's also sometimes Greg Davies and Alex Horn have this weird psychosexual relationship almost, and they're playing into it. It's not genuine but they're playing into it. um so that one's kind of funny of just like it's almost it's almost like a, a kink thing it's very funny to watch um between greg davies and alex horn it has been oft commented on by contestants particularly female it's contestants, homoerotic it is it's it is i don't even know that it's homoerotic because it's not really like I think when people, when you say homoerotic, people think of stuff like Top Gun, where it's really celebrating masculinity. It is, but it's it is like, very, oh, you're a naughty boy. <laughs> it's very like, yeah, it's very, it kinky. is, it's for um, sure kinky. It is a weird, weird dynamic, and I kind of love it. And the more entertaining part is that 
Alex Horn is very clearly uh, sort of the submissive in this interaction, for lack of a better word. But Alex Horn also is in charge of writing for the show. So he puts Greg Davies in these situations. And every now and then you see Greg Davies sort of uh, break the third wall there. And <laughs> he just... He, he kind of loses it because Alex has made him say something so ridiculous. Yes. So, you know, in actuality, they are very normal people who are good friends with each other, but it is the personas on the show is essentially that Alex is not just his assistant, but some sort of weird servant who more than anything loves to serve Greg. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's, it, I've been, I also feel like we're focusing on this as if it's a focal point of the show. It's something that pops up like once or twice during each episode as a yeah. joke, but like the whole thing is you know. sort of um, like Taskmaster is so hard to describe at times because there's this uh, interesting just vibe you catch from it that I don't know. It, it's so unique. I think the best way to explain taskmasters we wanted to talk about our, our favorite you know our favorite people from the show our favorite seasons but i think we should start with our favorite tasks because i think that's going to actually give people an idea of what the show is like one of my favorites is quite quite simple um it's it's one of the simpler tasks ever given i think on the show but it was destroy this cake in the most beautiful way um because mm -hmm. so like noel puts it in uh, the dryer. That one was fun. Then Mel Gidrich. Is that her name? Mel? Yeah. Mel uh, Gidrich, I think is how you she, say it. She's been on Bake Off for years, and so she just looks at the cake and just flips it and smashes it. And the succinctness is beautiful. The message is beautiful. But the best one was Joe Light? No, was it Joe Lysett or James? Yeah, and he just in blows a bunch this of beautiful cake up, and it was so good. Uh, yeah, so that so that was season four. Which inter interestingly, that was filmed after Mel's last season hosting Bake Off and before Noel's first season of hosting Bake Off. So there's a lot of jokes about Mel being a ba like a Bake Off host and how she's now escaped the world of cakes and stuff. They did not have any jokes about how Noel was going to be starting because I don't I don't know if he it knew or it wasn't, it wasn't public or whatever. Public. But but um, yeah, it was very. I liked that task a lot. What about you? Um, so one of my favorites, and we're probably going to do a few each. But um, I think one that kind of deserves a special shout out because as a big fan of the show, I've listened to the podcast too. It's the first task they ever show on on TV on the show, which is. In the next room, there is a watermelon. As soon as you enter the room, the timer will start. You have oh, one minute to eat as much watermelon as possible. It's unhinged. It is, it's well, and, and so, yes, it is unhinged. It's a great task when you watch it. But part of the reason I'm bringing it up, and part of it's the same reason why they made it the first one they show, because what they actually do is each contestant goes to the Taskmaster house, films for three days, a bunch of these tasks, and then they sort of arrange them in a fun or interesting order. So it's not necessarily the first one they did, but... Alex has talked about behind the scenes how this was the task that proved to them that this would work as a show. And it shows off how everybody approached this so differently. So Roshin walks into the room and sees the watermelon. And despite being told, as soon as you enter the room, the timer starts, she sees it and then leaves the room to go get a knife and then very slowly cuts it open and literally runs out of time and is reminded <laughs> that there's only like three seconds left and takes one bite. And when asked why she did this, she said, uh, well, I just assumed that the watermelon would already be cut for us and laid out like a watermelon buffet. I love Roshan Connery, but it's sort of a running bit with her in that season that she kind of expects everything yes. to have been made much easier for her. And I, the one that really sells it is Ramesh. Like everyone goes like the first few people go in and they cut open the watermelon, start digging out pieces and eat it. Ramesh goes in like a crazy man, frantic energy. He picks it up and throws it on the ground as hard as he can. So it explodes all over the room. And then he gets down on his hands and knees and starts grabbing like fistfuls of watermelon the from the ground and just stuffing up. his face with it. He makes himself throw up. And it's, they talk about in the, um, in the behind the scenes that he spent more time throwing up afterward than they have tons of like footage apparently of him, like in the bathroom throwing up. Like he just, 
ruined himself for this task. <laughs> but it's so funny to see, like you, you see it's, and you know, in retrospect, as you go through the show, it's it's kind of carried on this legacy of like the many ways to approach a task. And you talked about this in the in the when we brought up the idea to do this episode. Um, the show why the show has such a strong um, following amongst uh, neurodivergent people. Yes, I, I kind of love that about this show because it celebrates thinking in different ways. Uh, it really thrives on the the kind of essential fact that everybody's going to walk in there and they're going to do something wildly different. And maybe two or three may go, oh, this is the most logical way to do the task. But there's always at least one who does some weird shit every time. Uh, and I brought up Lisa Tarbuck, right? When we were driving home. I, I can't remember what that task assignment was. Uh, I can't either. But I can remember what she makes Alex do. Because it is the strangest thing on the show, I feel. And I think it was deeply, deeply unpleasant for Alex Horn. And I get a little bit of joy whenever they sort of turn the tables on Alex. But she has a whole, just a whole delightful cake. She makes Alex pull his pants down and sit right on that cake. <laughs> yes, it became such a popular <laughs> moment that like several seasons later, they had a task that was sit on a cake as quickly as possible. Yes, it, it's iconic because you can see just how horrified Alex is. In later interviews, Alex is like, that was the most unpleasant thing I had to do on the show. But it's diabolical in its simplicity, and I loved it. Um, but yes, I love that the show just celebrates weird thought processes. Mm -hmm. um, so do you have other favorite tasks, maybe some that are an example of that? I liked the felling ducks task. They have lined ducks up on these fake walls and a few things. And several contestants do, do various things. Some of them just decide to hurl stuff at them. So you can't get close to the walls. There's a red velvet rope and you can't start felling the ducks unless you're on the opposite side of the rope, right? Uh, so, so I believe the rule is you can cross the line you can't knock over it doesn't count if you knock over a duck from in front of the velvet rope so you can go over there but yeah you, you had it behind the rope to knock yes. them over um so hugh dennis it ultimate stepdad energy uh <laughs> he he obviously sort of just um crushes this one um just the efficiency is wild. Uh, but he goes and grabs uh, some ropes and just basically pulls the walls over and it fells all the ducks in like something like under 30 seconds. It was so fast. I believe that he did it in eight seconds. Eight seconds. It's bananas. Because um, the time starts as soon as the first duck falls. Uh, but who I really liked on that was um, the youngest girl. What is her name? Lolly. Yeah. So Lolly was great because Lolly's like, I'm going to get the hose. We're just going to hose these decks down. <laughs> and then they move the wall forward some. Not super close, but she moves the wall forward just like a few feet. <laughs> and then she's like hosing them down. So it takes her a little bit, but it's just such a different approach to Hugh's effectiveness. And then you get the hilarious stuff like, uh, Joe Lysett just hurling shit at these walls, right? Mm -hmm. Joe Lysett? Or was it Noel? I mean, Joe, Noel, and Mel all just threw things. I think that's sort of the, the kind of illustrating the, you know, kind of neurodivergent, like different ways to think about doing a task. Because I think most people, if you see a bunch of ducks lined up and the object is to knock over the ducks, you think of, you know, the carnival game, your first thought's going to be, well, I should just throw stuff at the ducks. Especially, you know, you have to be behind this rope to do it. And so Noel, Mel, and Joe all basically just go gather up a bunch of stuff and then spend the whole time just pelting it at the ducks. And, you know, Lolly had the idea of, well, you can move the ducks closer and then it would make it really easy to do with the hose. And... Obviously, uh, Hugh had the idea of just like, well, I'll just 
if I set up everything, like if I tie these ropes that all I have to do is pull the ropes, then I can wait until the first one falls and do all of them in really mm-hmm. quick succession. And it's, you know, I think that's a good example of that. Cause you know, most people, I think if you lined up a bunch of ducks and said, knock them down, they throw stuff at them. I think another sort of fun thing about it and possibly why it has such a big neurodivergent following is that you and I find ourselves looking at each other and going, how would you solve this task? So do you want to talk about favorite contestants or do you have other favorite tasks? Um, I have, I, well, I have one favorite task that I'd bring up the, the, uh, it's maybe my favorite live task. It's from season 12 and it was the, uh, monster noises or not just, it wasn't just monster noises, but it was, um, uh, the live task was Greg was in a throne facing away from the stage. So he couldn't see anybody. And then the five contestants were asked to come up to a central spot and make some kind of noise. And you had to fool Greg into thinking somebody else was making the noise. If he guessed who it was correctly, then you didn't get a point. Um, and it ends with make the noise that a big monster makes. <laughs> and it's so perfect. Victoria Corn Mitchell, who has like struggled through the whole thing, she tries to do this kind of diabolical thing where she quietly walks behind another contestant and then loudly walks from their position to the center and then does a big stomp so that she doesn't have to use her voice. And Greg guesses that it was her. And then he proceeds to guess all four of the other ones wrong and says, it doesn't matter. I only care if I got Victoria right. And Victoria was the only one he got right. But it like the noises they come up with are so weird up to and including the last one, which is Alan Davies. And he just says, woo, like really loud. But in a, it's it's a you have to watch it thing, but it's such a silly task. And like everybody is, everyone's trying to be quiet, but they're all laughing hysterically at these noises people are making. So if we're talking about favorite people, I think a good segue to that, as I noticed both of your tasks that you brought up, a favorite task were from season four. Yeah, I really like season four. And that's not to say I don't like all the seasons because I actually do. Um, but I genuinely enjoy Noel Fielding. Noel Fielding. Yeah, Noel is fun. Noel, Noel is definitely one of those contestants of, and, you know, we're going to, I think, go back to the neurodivergent thing a lot. Um, on the Taskmaster subreddit uh, and the fan pages and stuff, people love to make graphs and charts and spreadsheets of all the contestants and stuff and then like to make little categories and tier lists and stuff and noel <laughs> is falls into this category of people who are just effortlessly good at taskmaster they just have the right skill set so he's the right mix of like he's very athletic he was surprisingly athletic despite doing the entire thing in high heels um he would just whenever they would do physical tasks he would just show up and crush it and they would joke about it in the studio of like, oh, you're, you want us to think you're like an artsy fartsy type, but you're just a lad. Tony two pies. So I think Tony three pies. Was it Tony three pies? Tony three pies. I think because that's <laughs> the, that ends up being the name of that episode. Is you're just a lad. You go down to the pub, and all the boys call you Tony three pies. <laughs> uh, but he's also he's so he's super athletic. He's super artistic. Uh, and is just generally charming. And he was also, I think, the most famous from that season. Well, Joe Lysett was pretty famous. Not Noel famous. No, Noel, it's hard to get Noel, Noel got famous. big in the States, too, which none of the other ones really did. And I think that helped him a lot with, like, the prize tasks. Because he crushed it in the prize tasks. And part of that is the people he had access to. So, like... They had to get a, a famous signature on a vegetable, and he got David Suchet's signature on a broad bean. David Suchet is the actor who played Poirot back in the day. And, like, yeah. And there's the one of, like, thing you're most proud of. And I believe he was, like, some British, he's like the British version of People magazine. He was, like, the sexiest man alive one year. And, like, you know, how are you not going to win with that? Yeah. I, despite my deep, deep love of Noel Fielding, I honestly think Joe Lysett should have won that, uh, the vegetable task because Joe Lysett, what he did was diabolical because he got Sarah Pascoe to go to go up to Greg with a, with a courgette, uh, and tell him, Hey, this is for charity. Will you sign it? (laughs) Yes. So he shows up 
uh, through his great deception and just turns in turns in a, a squash that uh, Greg has signed. Yes. There are several instances where um, somebody has really pulled the wool over on Greg for the t- prize task. Who was it that stole his pants? Oh. <laughs> It's funny because you mentioned you thought Joe should win that. And historically, with I think one noticeable exception, when people manage when people mess with Greg, they tend to score low. Yeah. And I don't think it's because he doesn't like it, but I think that's part of the comedy. Like, you know, it's not as if the scoring is taken seriously, as if like they genuinely want to find out a winner. They will often be scored low if uh Greg is annoyed or if it would be funny for Greg to be annoyed or the scored high if he just likes them even if it wasn't that great of a, a thing so <clears throat> i believe in that specific one joe was scored low because sarah pasco told greg that it was for a charity auction yeah and so the the and lie the, yeah. yes he said <laughs> by lying from charity it's like you're stealing from a charity uh and so the one that stole his pants was Mark from season five, who had Ed Gamble, who Ed Gamble helped Greg write uh, Man Down, his TV show. So they were good friends. Ed Gamble broke into his dressing room at a comedy festival and stole Greg's pants <laughs> and left with them. And so it was, I think the task for that was the most daring item. And that was... Greg's pants. It was Greg's pants that he stole, and he got scored low for that too. <laughs> um, another, and I think the one exception, the one where someone actually scored quite high, I think he won it was on the most recent season, fifteen. Kyle, for the bringing the sneakiest thing, had Greg autograph, do a personalized autograph to like his niece or something, but it was with a spy pen, so the whole thing was recorded. And uh, the niece was made up and was an anagram for sneakiest thing. (laughs) And he won for that, but. Kyle was amazing. I loved him. He was so funny. uh, There was, uh, I don't want to, you know, use a bunch of other people's opinions here. We just try, but this is one I agree with. There was like an article recently kind of just, ranking the seasons and the thing they said about season 15 that i really agree with is that it really had a good family dynamic where like you know uh frankie was the dad yeah and uh what's her name the older lady i can't remember i'm terrible with names um was the mom and then uh ivo graham was the uh disappointed child he was the eldest child who worked so hard and got no credit for it. <laughs> I I feel bad. That was mean of me to say about Ivo. He was actually kind of delightful. <laughs> he is very delightful. But he is one of those people, and we'll talk about this later too, but like he's one of those people who's the way their brain works, they are very, very smart, but it just does not mesh with what Taskmaster there is asking you to do. There are quite a few people like that, yes. Yes. And so to finish the original thought, May was the youngest child who everything came effortlessly to. And then Kyle was the middle child who basically threw a season-long tantrum, but it was so entertaining. (laughs) Loved Kyle. Uh, I think my favorite contestant's Fern Brady. Yes. An actually autistic woman. An actually autistic woman. Used to be a stripper. Hilarious. Uh, I like her a lot. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to listen to her book at some point. It's on my list. Um, she was so good. So I, that's, I think that's a good transition because we just mentioned it with Ivo and now with Fern is the oftentimes the person who comes in last place in a season does so spectacularly, which interestingly in Fern's season, two people tied for last place and they both scored very low. I forget. It's John Kearns was the other guy. But it's, it is always interesting where it's like it tends to be like a fairly smart person, a fairly creative person, but Taskmaster is such an oddity that it just does not mesh with people's brains. Yeah, I don't think, I think whenever I watch Taskmaster, I don't really think about it in terms of winners and losers. That's, I find that interesting. Well, I know it's a competition, but I think 
It's so creative that you can definitively fail a task, but because the point is to be funny, even when you fail the task, if you fail it well, it's it's good. Like you have created some sort of gold. I definitely agree. And I'm not, you know, pointing this out to say that these people who failed at Taskmaster, but often there's one person per season who is so hilariously bad at Taskmaster that they just assume So, like, Hugh Dennis is a really funny example of this, and I'm thinking about the caravan task, where there's a woman behind a curtain in this caravan, and you're not allowed to look at her, but you have to draw her. And so everybody else goes through and starts asking her questions, and there's the, you have to uh, guess her full name. Hugh Dennis gets a mirror and just looks at her reflection and draws her and has her and hands her a piece of paper without looking at her and has her write her name on it. Brilliant. Genius. Wonderful. Wonderful approach to this. And then you see the picture that Hugh Dennis has drawn of her and it is so comically bad that (laughs) he still comes in last place, even though he had the best strategy of anyone else. And so I think that's kind of what you're referring to. To me, that was, that's one of my favorite like fails. Yes, and that's a good fit. And Hugh, he was sort of an interesting case because uh, we mentioned before, like people who kind of like to really keep the stats and track all this stuff. Hugh is like one of the best performers ever at objective tasks, like do this thing the fastest, or you know, we have a certain amount of time to complete this task, complete it. He excelled at that and was just so terrible at anything that had to be judged or graded. So the reason he was so terrible at that is because his painting was the worst. Even though he had arguably the best approach to it, and it was allowed within the rules. Uh, but no, this, so the thing I'm sort of talking about is the person who is like, not. it's not even inept. It's literally just, they almost become like... Like it goes off the rails. No, it's... It's it's hard. I'm trying to not use language that's like mean because they don't mean it as such, but they almost become like the sazak of the season. Oh, that's not. Think about Nish Kumar, Phil Wang, and Victoria Corin Mitchell, who were last place in almost every episode. They finished like 30 points behind everybody else. And it's not because they're like dumb, it's not because they're bad at stuff. It's more just because, like, in Victoria's case, it's just because she was so frustrated that things weren't straightforward. I empathize with Victoria because I think our problem solving is similar. Yes, I agree. Well, I she's, she's very, like, type A brain of, like, tasks and riddles and stuff like that. And so there was, there is a riddle task in that season and she crushes it. She does so good at it. And but like there are also just other seemingly simple tasks that she just runs into these odd frustrations with like um there's a task for like riding a bike slowly but she's never ridden a bike yes she doesn't know how she she i think something that's i think a very funny quote from her that kind of sums up her experience on taskmaster is they do the riddle task and she crushes that one and this is after her like kind of failing at a bunch of other stuff and greg points out like oh you looked really in your element there and she says as probably not the exact quote but she says something to the effect of like yes that very much that very much comes from the realm of those with a customized inhaler (laughs) yeah and it's you know because taskmaster it if you're smart, you should do well at it. But mm-hmm. if you're that kind of like nerdy perfectionist smart, it's not like Taskmaster's not going to bend to your will. I wasn't even like, I don't even think about it as she's a nerdy perfectionist. She is just, when she gets a task, she looks at it. She says, how are we going to do it? Okay. This is how we're going to do it. And then she does it. It's no frills. And I don't think that lends itself to Taskmaster. Su- like as well because they're looking for the silly they're looking for the absurd that's fair i i would disagree with you on that though because that's the exact same approach carrie godleyman took and she won her season yeah but carrie godleyman 
was a little silly about it because she did have the absurd involved there, which I think Victoria was just a little too pragmatic. Maybe. I think so. I think Victoria overthought it all the time. I think she tried to brainiac her way out of it. Yeah. I felt for her. I liked her. Um, I think we would be remiss if we did not bring up James A. Castor. Yeah, he's a favorite. James A. Caster is a goddamn delight in pretty much everything he does. What was your favorite thing he did? It's hard to pick. There were a lot. I think probably the circles task. I say circles. The task was draw the biggest and best circle. And <laughs> everyone tried to draw as big of a circle as they could, but that was a good circle. James, I think, just had a mental breakdown. And he, instead of drawing any kind of circle, he got on a bicycle and put a hula hoop on his hand and started spinning the hula hoop <laughs> on his hand while riding the bicycle in circles and saying, there's so many circles happening right now. Every time I spin this hoop, it's a circle. Every time I go around the bike, it's a circle. And then he stops and his foot lands on a circle. And he's like, yeah, there's a circle. <laughs> and so at the end of this, they show all of that. And Greg looks at him and <laughs> it's just like, he says, uh, it looks like, you know, the task was draw the biggest circle, and for you it looks like what you read was have a breakdown. <laughs> and he berates him for like, basically just not doing the task. And he's like, you somehow thought that like we would be impressed if you just pointed out a bunch of circles, none of which were circles that you made, and then James is just sitting there taking it and then Greg says, do you have anything to say for yourself? And James just goes, my eyes are circles. <laughs> He's so funny. I love James A. Caster. Uh, my favorite was not a task, but he, I can't even remember what it was about, but he starts to get heated and he yells at Greg and Greg stands up and takes him to the side because Greg Davies is a former school teacher. So he, <laughs> he takes him to the side and just wraps his sh- arm around his shoulder and just sort of talks him through it a little bit. And then, <laughs> and then James just apologizes and goes and sits back in his chair. And it's, he's just so chastened that I'm just, I love it. Was, it. it was the prize task and Phil Wang brought in that puzzle box, <laughs> which is difficult to open. And Greg picks it up and maybe spends two seconds trying to open it, barely gets started with it. And I don't know why Acaster was so annoyed already, but he just, with his head in his hands, just said, oh, just fucking open it, you pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And so Greg pulled him aside and was chastising him for it. It was just so funny. Phil Wang was, he lived up to his name. Can we talk about Phil Wang's outfit? It was the outfit that Bruce Lee wore in Game of Death, but I don't know if he customized it or if this was accidental and he just went with it. There's but no it was, way this was accidental. <laughs> it was too tight in his crotch, so his dick and balls were just on display for the entire yeah, season. Yeah, because they wear the same outfit the whole time. <laughs> so they do all the tasks over the course of like two or three days and they have to wear the same outfit for every task so that they can put them in whatever order they want. So for the first episode of his season, because when they meet in the the studio to review the footage that, you know, they wear whatever, but (laughs) when they meet and they see the first task and they start to break down the task, Greg just turns and looks at him and says something to the effect of, are we going to talk about it? What's funny is I think that even happened. I don't remember if it was the first task was something. Oh, no, because the first task was the quick change outfit. So they didn't even see it at first. And then in the next task, he goes, Phil, we're now, I think now we've gotten a chance to see the whole outfit in full. I think we need to talk about it. Yeah. So he just spends 10 episodes bait and tackle for the, for the whole world to see. It's just like... Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Phil is one of those examples. I think him and Nish are the best examples of like smart people failing. Yes. Nish melts down once an episode. The best example for Nish was the basketball task where they had to score a basket, you know, get a basketball through a basketball hoop, 
without using your hands and without using anything that would simulate gloves. So you couldn't just like put on oven mitts and do it or like just do something to cover your hands. You had to creatively figure out a way to put the ball in the basket. Everyone else kind of found props and sort of used them as giant chopsticks. Nish just decided he was going <laughs> to kick the ball like a soccer ball into the net. And they set him up. So they sort of set him up for failure because what he actually did was very funny. And so they show it and he just kicks the ball and it goes right in. <laughs> and then he he knows that that's not how it went down, but he is playing it up and he just starts bragging and he gets down on his knees and he's like screaming. And then they go, oh, would you like to see all the other attempts? And they show it and it took him, I think they said it took him like 27 attempts. And Alex kept a list of everything he said. And it was so absurd. He said something like, he called the ball a racist four <laughs> times. Uh, he tried to like, I think he tried to like bribe somebody at some point. It was just this odd list of like things that Nish said during his meltdown while he was trying to kick this ball into the basket. It was, uh, it was very intense. It was so funny though. <laughs> what about you? Who are your favorites? Um, a, a caster is a favorite partly just because I think for both of us, James Acaster is like a favorite person so of ours. He is great. So as far as contestants on the show that I really like, and I really like going back to watch, um, uh, let me say who's, who's someone that really stands out. Um, so I really liked Guz oh, on season I like 12. Guz just in general. I enjoyed yeah. his uh, show, Man Like Mobeen. I just like Guz. Mm -hmm. He was funny. Yes, he was funny. I love the task with um, it's the prize task and where they all have to get something for mm -hmm. someone else for one of the other contestants and Desiree Birch gets this she <laughs> we're gonna talk about this whole task Desiree now, Birch yes, realizes that Guz Khan loves these dogs called bully cutters and so she gets a portrait of one done and I believe it's a portrait with Guz, correct? Or is it just a portrait of the dog? I can't remember. I think it's just a portrait of the dog, but, but done in Guz's in face his has style. this childlike joy when he sees it. He loves it. He's so delighted by it. And it's the sweetest thing. And it just made me so happy because Guz is so goddamn nice. Yes, we need we need to talk about the task because you reminded me <laughs> what the task was. It is so the task was buy like bring the best gift for the person on your left and so they start with alan who got desiree um it was an etiquette book for the uk because she is american yes it was a uk etiquette book but it was kind of like a sweet thing it was a little silly and then desiree got guz the painting guz got morgana um like a custom made one of his jackets because she talked about how cool his jackets were and then morgana got victoria um, I can't remember, but something that Victoria would have liked. It was something nice. And so Greg laments <laughs> that, like, he was hoping that you guys would use this opportunity to be mean to each other. And everybody's <laughs> just got each other genuinely nice gifts. And then we get to Victoria's turn. And so she has to get something for Alan Davies. And so she plays this off as if she doesn't understand sports, but she's actually a very avid uh, football fan. Yes. So she knew exactly what she was doing. Alan Davies is um, very famously a very vocal and loud and ardent supporter of uh, the English football team Arsenal. And so she said, well, I know you're a football fan, so I got you season tickets to, and you know, if you're going to watch football, you should want to watch the best team. So I got you season tickets to Manchester United, who are famously Arsenal's. Uh, yes. Alan hates them. Nemesis. And Manchester United fans hate him. So she gets him season tickets to Manchester United because they are, quote, the best team. <laughs> and to kick it off on top of that, they she said, well, they're very expensive. I didn't want to spend too much on this gift. So I actually just got you a voucher that can be used towards. So she like <laughs> partially paid for a season ticket. So he can't actually use what, like, even if he wanted to go to a Manchester United game, he can't use what she got him unless he himself put money towards finishing buying the <laughs> Manchester United season tickets which he's not going to do diabolical very diabolical <laughs> which Greg was delighted in it was orgasmic for him it was very funny it was so good oh 
I mean, honestly, that whole season, I I love Guz Khan. I love Desiree Birch. Like, they were just, they kind of all seemed to get along a lot. Yes. So, I am I would say, just as a caveat before, you know, as we talk about our favorite stuff, there are no bad seasons of no. the show. There, I would argue there are no really even bad contestants. Like There are some that, like, I don't particularly enjoy. Yeah, but they're not really bad, and sometimes they do funny stuff that I do enjoy. I just don't kind of like they're not my brand. There's there's nobody that I flat that either of us like flat out dislike or doesn't at least have some good moments. Yeah, so like I think the closest I get is Rod Gilbert, but good God, the the naked like embrace thing that he did with Alex is so fucking funny. Quick change out thing. Yes, yeah. and then. The other funny thing he does is when he gets <laughs> Greg Davis's giant stuffed. Is it a frog? Is it a teddy bear? Teddy bear. It's a teddy. It's supposed to be a teddy bear, but it's like handmade and it's Huge. like cute His body mother pillow made size. It. Uh, and he gets that for Greg for a prize task, a picture of Greg with it. And then that pushes Greg to admit that as a teenager, he fucked that stuffed bear. <laughs> I believe, yes, I believe this is a story he's told in his stand-up. Yes, but it's still like... Yes, he, he got that. That was So that was another one of the ones where every single week Rod would center his task around trying to get one over on Greg and always got bad points on the prize task. With the exce- I think there was one that was very funny, which was... Uh, I mean, there were so many that Rod did that were very antagonistic. There was the, like, bring in the creepiest thing. And Rod's was a video he took from inside Greg's closet while Greg was sleeping, <laughs> where he went to a house party at Greg's and then pretended to leave, but actually went to his closet and then waited for everybody else to leave and for Greg to go to bed and then filmed that video. And then there was the one where it was... Uh, that one's so unhinged. Take the best picture wearing this fez. And the picture Rod took was Greg's mother mother in the bathtub wearing the fez. And he he had been bringing the exact same picture of Greg. It's a picture of Greg like in a Speedo laying kind of sexy, but it's supposed to look bad. And had just been bringing that as something every week. And so he's teed this up as if he's done that again. And Greg goes, if I turn around, it's that goddamn picture again. And Greg turns around and does a genuine double take. (laughs) Is so shocked to see his mother up there. And he, 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 I believe he calls her like a traitorous old hag or something. He calls her old woman a lot. Who was it? I can't remember which contestant it was. This was absolutely brilliant. And it played well for Greg because it happened to Alex. Who was the one who got his pin number? <laughs> oh, shit. Yes, I know. Alice from yeah. season six got, uh, got his pin number to his card. She also made him eat porn, right? No, that was Lucy Oh, yeah. So Lucy set a bunch of porn on fire in a bucket and had Alex eat it. So I think they're supposed to have Alex eat. It wasn't supposed to be eat the grossest thing, but it was supposed to be like get Alex to eat something. Or serve Alex the weirdest meal or something. And so she set a bunch of porn on fire in a bucket and fed it to him. The Alice thing was, um, it was like it was like a chocolate egg or something. And when you broke open the chocolate egg, it was have the most surprising thing in it. And hers was just a piece of paper with his <laughs> pin number written down on it, which was crazy. <laughs> so you're thinking that the thing that Lou Sanders did that was unhinged that you're actually thinking of is Lou Sanders called his wife and got because it was the do something bad and then apologize apologize for it and the best apology wins and the bad thing she did was something kind of mild but as her apology she got his email address and phone number and signed him up for a bunch of really insane like MLMs and like night classes, th- the kinds of things that they're going to email you 10 times a day with offers and stuff, and just signing them up for a laundry list of like really awful shit <laughs> on his email. And he was like, for months, he was just like, yeah, it's been a nightmare to to deal with all of that. I get calls constantly. Yeah. 
there's some oh gosh they get they get him pretty hard then there's also this thing that they do pretty much every season where they give one of the comedians a task that they don't give anyone else and i think the most iconic of these is mike wozniak and we discussed this a little bit earlier mike wozniak had to stay in a plane until he farted how long did he say it took? Do you remember? Well, it actually took him several weeks, several days. Because <laughs> so they, he couldn't fart in the plane and had to leave. And then he farted again during a task <laughs> they did later. But it was, yeah, like fart quickest wins or whatever. But he didn't know he's the only one that had to do that. And so it's just a montage <laughs> of him doing odd things to try to get himself to fart. There's and like, then there's he a eventually gives where he is upside down in a seat with his, with his legs yes. over his head trying to fold himself in half. <laughs> and then he gives up, leaves, and then at a later task, he says, Oh, it's actually happening. I have to <laughs> fart. And they record it and it sounds a little wet. Oh. <laughs> and so Greg's like, I I gotta ask. That didn't sound like a great one. It didn't sound like a great time. And he said, well, you know, it wasn't, I didn't like shit myself. What happened was I, when I farted, it popped loose a hemorrhoid. Oh. So he farted a hemorrhoid out oh, God. and then described that. Wait, wait, wait. Please note, this is part of our household lexicon now. Yes, this is occasionally used best. He described that as, he said, it was, it's an absolute casserole down there. <laughs> what is that? Wozniak was crazy. He's one of my favorites, for sure. Wozniak was so good. He also is one of the ones that has stepdad energy. I don't know about that. He's got uncle energy, for sure. Yeah, it's the mustache. It is the mustache. It's a big part of it. There, there was a task. He and Lee were on a team together, and then the younger people were grouped together from that season. And there's a task where they have to like carry a bag of sugar from one side to the other. And it's like a really complicated, and they ended up failing at the task because I don't think they, they re I think they realized the bag they're carrying is salt and not sugar, and I don't think they ever figured out where the sugar was. But they do that whole task, and then Greg asks him about it, and he's just like, even though they failed, he's just smiling like, oh, I just had a really low, I just had a really lovely day outside, honestly. <laughs> he's so nice. He's also the one in the final episode they were supposed to bring the most badass thing, and. He shows up to that episode wearing this goofy little like uh, gift shop crown, like it's like a fuzzy thing, but it's like a like a big one that covers your whole head. And so, like someone brought in like a survival kit, uh, someone brought in some other stuff. But the what we thought would have won, Jamali Maddox brought in a bat with a nail through it. Great, great thing for most badass thing. And he gets to Mike Wozniak, and he's wearing this fucking hat. And he goes, well, say it's late at night. I need to go down to the store and get some milk, because you know how I love my milk. And I look outside, and there's a gang, gang of street toughs out there. You know, <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with them. So I want to do something that's going to mean that they don't have to mess with me. So I think what I do is, uh, is I do this. And he pulls off the hat, and he shaved his head into a mohawk. And spiked it up with gel straight up. And he actually did it. The man actually shaved his head. And so, especially if you know behind the scenes the way they do this, they film like two episodes at a time, which means he, they filmed episode nine, and he must have gone backstage to hair and makeup, had them do that to his hair, and then came back out for episode 10. <laughs> Crazy man. Uh, I liked Mike Wozniak. He's very funny. Uh, Joe Brandt was good. Joe Brandt was great. Joe Brandt probably would have lost, like came in last place, because she has a very I don't care attitude, I, which I think is what you like. About I want to age into a woman like Joe Brandt. She does not give a fuck. She has seen some shit, and she does not have time for your nonsense. Yes. So the reason she didn't come in last is one random task where you basically had to try and psychically guess. Like it was like a. Greg had two pictures, and it was like a it was like a cow or a laminator, and you had to guess what it was. And obviously, it's a 50-50 chance. None of them are psychic, but you get a like a whole point for the not just like within the task, 
like a point for your whole season total for everyone you guess right, and then you lose as soon as you guess wrong. Everyone else got like two or so at most. She had this weird superpower. I believe she had she got like fourteen in a row. Bananas. The entire crowd was going. The rest of the cast was going nuts. Everyone was going nuts <laughs> every time she got one right. It, it, it started getting crazy. Uh, no, I just... Joe Brandt is one of those ones who didn't do well on the show for the most part. But I love her so much. She's so fucking funny because she does not care. Yes, she would frequently stop halfway through a task and realize she just didn't want to She's do it the woman her. you go to and you cry when you're like... 1920 and you have a shitty boyfriend and she's just like bury him in the garden yes i believe that's partly because prior to her career in comedy she was a psych ward nurse oh, yeah. nothing flaps like nothing she's unflappable nothing nothing rattles this woman and she's so goddamn funny she's a genuine sweetheart though I, the reason she went into the entertainment industry is because she um tried to help uh introduce like theater therapy to psych ward patients like acting and stuff and realized she just really liked it so started doing it yeah i genuinely like joe brandt i there's really not anybody i just don't like i can't think of anyone love gus Khan. gus was great love morgana but i think that's mostly because i am attracted to morgana yeah morgana has um that girl everyone in the theater department has a crush on vibes yeah yeah in a very bisexual way yes she gives femme bisexual vibes um and i'm here for it love desiree birch she was very funny i'm trying to think of other favorites that i'd want to single out as being very like ramesh was great in season one ramesh was great um uh, tim key in season one was also pretty good part of why i liked him is he would con he so he was friends with Alex and sort of helped come up with the not come up with the idea for Taskmaster, but like he helped implement it because what happened was the first Taskmaster wasn't a show. It they it was a performance at the yeah at Edinburgh, um, and so <laughs> he was involved in that. But he cheated so much. Yes, he cheated a lot. He cheated in pretty much everything. Very funny though. Yeah, and they caught it like just blatant cheating, and he would just deny, deny, and deny until they played the film back. Yep. Oh, and the the <laughs> he also I think because he came into the show with a better understanding of what the show was going to be than anyone else, and you can tell in the very first prize task because they're supposed to bring in the weirdest thing, and people just brought in like cool stuff that they thought would be a good prize, and it, so it was stuff like. Uh, uh, Frank Skinner brought in like grape scissors, and uh, Josh brought in uh, like Josh, a, Whittacombe. Josh Whittacombe brought in like a signed football, a signed soccer ball. It was all like okay, whatever. But uh, they get to Tim, and he's last. It's like, what'd you bring? And he goes, reindeer skull. <laughs> and Greg just goes, that is what this show is about. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that we should point out was great. I mean, I really liked Mel. One of my favorite tasks, and it's one of the best reactions a person. This is something they do a lot. On was they'll give you a task. So the was build the most elaborate sandwich. She made this like Scooby Doo style, like super tall monstrosity of just all different kinds of candy and chocolate and marshmallows. And it was gigantic. And she was so proud of herself at this crazy sandwich that she made. <laughs> and then some assistant comes in, mm. some assistant comes in from the other side of the room, hands her a task. She opens it up and it says, eat the sandwich. <laughs> you have 20 minutes or whatever it is. You have 10 minutes. And she reads it out loud, sets it down, looks back at her sandwich. And she goes, Oh, gang. <laughs> oh, gang. It was Which so was just sweet. Sort of, she is very sweet. Should they, it actually made, every once in a while, um, when a contestant is sort of uh, consistent, has a consistent behavior, they will, near the end of the season, make a montage of them doing it. And so they made a montage of her 
just being way too excited to be on the show. She was, I love her. She's so sweet. I don't know. I keep saying I love people and uh, I do, but it's, I think it's just such a wholesome, fun show. There's nothing like genuinely mean spirited about it. It's so funny. Um, and it, it makes you creative. And I know you and I have talked about how much fun it would be to do do our own stuff, like have a party where we where somebody does Taskmaster stuff and then Yes, yeah, so you got me the Taskmaster book for Christmas one mm-hmm. year. I think it was last year. We've Yes. So we've been meaning to you know, get some people over, have a Taskmaster party at some point. Yeah. We officially have enough space for it, so I think we should do it in the next year or so. I think that was fun. Um, do you have anything else to add? Because I feel like we have kind of covered a lot of ground here. We've been recording for an hour and 15 uh, No, I don't think I have anything else to add. I think, you know, we mostly just gushed about the show we love. Which yeah, I don't know that this do. will come out it. as a particularly funny episode, but... I think we did cover a lot of things that we really enjoy, and maybe we have converted some people into watching Taskmaster. If you are in the U.S., you can watch most of it on YouTube. They have a YouTube channel, uh, mm-hmm. and highly recommend. It's a ton of fun, and it's kind of a comfort watch for us at this point. Yeah. So the next episode will be us covering Fourth Wing by Rebecca yes, which Yaros. at this point we've we already have recorded. already recorded it. Um, it went great. You guys oh, loved it. We? Oh, yeah. They loved it. The audience, the fans, that one was for the fans. That was for the ladies. This one's for us. This one's for us. That <laughs> one was for the fans. Well, they're all for the ladies, Sonny. <laughs> Always for the ladies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we have already recorded that. Uh, next month, we are going to start Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss. Next month, we begin the year the half year of living moss yeah so what we're doing is we are going to be reading books one through three of the throne of glass series for next month we will also be covering stormship troopers and the episode the middle episode like this one will be about poker face which has natasha leone in it so we'll have a few episodes next month that i think will be fun um we'll cover all of this and the what our schedule is going to look like more in detail on that fourth wing episode yes we did record a decent chunk of the information here this was sort of a spontaneous recording um we just decided to do this one for the fans this one went out to our peeps our homies our fans our peeps our homies our fans what are we going to call our fans swappies I, swappers i don't know swap people Sure. Uh, I don't know. Um, Gator bait. <laughs> Gator boys. Gator boys. Chompers. Do we explain? Do we explain? Us. I think we explain it in either Digimon or in Fourth Wing why we named this podcast Swap People. I think it was in the Digimon episode, but I could be wrong. But yeah, we're both from Swamp Cultures. Uh, I and avid fans of the show swamp people i don't know about avid fans but we appreciate it there was a period of time in which we really enjoyed it um it's not like hunting gators to really get your blood pumping i guess oh yeah and i i we also i think share a love of alligators as our local apex predator yeah we do love we love a gator despite being from different places they're equally local apex predators for us i i won't dox sunny but i am from uh the very southern tip of Florida, near the Glades. Gotta love the Glades. I am Cajun. <laughs> Real Cajun. Oh, yeah. Um, so, so you don't even like gators, you like gators. I love me some gators. Gators. <laughs> so this is kind of a joke about that. But I think if we ever have fans... I don't know that this podcast will take off to the point where we have fans who don't know us. I believe in us. Believe in us. I don't know. Yeah. We're getting a weird Canadian following. We love you, Canada. We love all of you. We wish we had your health care. Um, 
but we're getting yeah. we're getting some some Canadians we don't even know. I think uh, via I know them. I, there's no Canadians I don't know listening to this. Oh, you oh, might not these know are them. all Canadians who have played D and D with you, huh? Yes. I don't play D and D very well because I irritate other players. Not because I am bad at D and D, but because I play D and D effectively, much like Victoria. <laughs> Everybody wants to talk about their feelings. I just want to kill things. Yeah, so, you know, and as much as this podcast is for the ladies, this podcast is now officially for my Canadian gamers. <laughs> oh, your Canadian gamers? Oh, the Canadian gamers. It's for the gamers. Canadian They're... gamers and the horse girls. Because <laughs> the barn chat is <laughs> our group chat full of horse girls. Uh they were asking for a podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, this is for them. I mean, that's this is for the ladies. Those are the ladies and my Canadian gamers. They, you know, they're like American gamers, but instead of saying racial slurs, they just uh, brag about how much poutine they ate in the last week. They're just like, oh, oh, I ate like three pounds of poutine just to this just this weekend. And someone's like, oh yeah, bud. Well, I ate five pounds of poutine just on Friday. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for hanging out and listening to us uh, geek out about Taskmaster. Greg Davies, if you're listening, call me. Yeah, I, our our household finances would benefit from a very large sugar daddy. <laughs> Even just you don't have to be like throwing money around. Just you know, just some chip ins here and there. Would be much appreciated. <laughs> Scooter. <laughs> Are you saying you don't want that? I don't care about the money. <laughs> well, I, I would like to get something out of this arrangement. <laughs> Anyways. Maybe, you know what? Maybe that'll be our first sponsor is Greg Davies. Sure, Daddy. <laughs> oh, maybe that. Okay, let's stop ever, sexualizing you know this man. He's a real human. <laughs> Well, then you're not going to be happy with the next thing I'm going to say. If we ever get enough fans of this podcast that we can have a Patreon, we will call our patrons our sugar daddies. Oh, no. Oh, no. Our our sugar parents of many genders. (laughs) Is there a gender neutral term for sugar daddy? I don't know. Is there a gender neutral parental term? Parental unit term? I think just parent. Sugar parent just doesn't work, though. Trins. Oh, wait, that's the actual word for it. Never mind. <laughs> sugar guardian? Sugar guardian. <laughs> oh, sugar guardian sounds like... Uh, sugar, the sugar guardian sounds like an uh, old-timey superhero from Louisiana that protects the sugarcane fields. We're venturing into offensive territory, Scooter. How is that offensive territory? I know. I see you ramping up to an accent. You've already done it to the Canadians. Have I? Well, I think they're going to love that. Do you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You sound like you're on Fargo. They're not, that's not that far away. That's <laughs> I know. Basically it. Uh, okay. The Canadian accent is just the uh, Minnesota, North Dakota accent, but you apologize more. <laughs> Lord, help us all. Oh, so oh, sorry, my fingers are so sticky from all the maple syrup. Scooter! That's, 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 that's the Scooter! Do we need to do the sign-off now? I'm keeping this in. You can't stop me. I can't. You do the if editing. You wanna, if you want to cut out, you got to learn how to use Audacity. <laughs> all right, are we ready to end this? Yeah. So thank you all for uh, spending some time with us. I am so sorry if Scooter's impersonation of canadians was offensive to you as always i will never apologize and this one is for the ladies <laughs>